Greetings and Happy Tuesday, there. everybody. It is 2-22-22. It's one of On those days. <laughs> Want to welcome you to this edition of Cannabis Radio Live. Uh, if you are watching this, please make sure that you like, follow, and subscribe. And of course, if you're over on YouTube, make sure you smash that bell notification thingy so that way you get notified every time that we go live. Of course, I'm joined today by my co-host, Brasco, on the radio. What's going on, Brasco? Well, you took away the whole 22-22 thing from me. I was going to kind of do something <laughs> with that. Because it's the one time to do it. The one it is the one time to do it. Right? <laughs> it's kind of funny, right? Do it well. uh, yeah. Absolutely. So, folks, I, I want to thank you for tuning in and uh, joining today. We're going to run through uh, a litany of uh, crazy news topics. There's a lot going on today. Uh, so we're just going to dive right in. Brasco, where are we at? So we've talked about California. We're talking about the canvas market. And there's a story from NBC News. They're talking about how don't cut the taxes. You, like Keep the taxes where they are. Don't cut them down because it's going to hurt the use, the low-income use they're talking about. So there's a child service provider they quoted here saying, we've heard a lot about the impact the cannabis industry has, but had little no impact to those who benefit from the taxes. So, okay, so you're going to do the, this whole idea of, all right, so if certain communities are not getting the tax revenue, they're not getting the benefits from it. So you're going to blame the cannabis industry. Let's just charge us more. Is that what we're going to go with? Cannabis right now is taxed at $161 a pound and a 15% excise tax as long as cultivation, manufacturing, processing, distribution, and retail. And the state gets a billion dollars in taxes. Oh, but, you know, the child care people are like, oh, we don't see where the money's going. Like, that's the problem. So, you know, look, I, I think um, we've seen some of this with respect to um, collected taxes uh, and the big questions behind their usage. Uh, I remember when we were um, in Arizona and uh, Dr. Sicily, Dr. Sue Sicily was um, mm -hmm. looking to go get some of the, the funds that uh, had accrued uh, from taxes and what have you. Uh, in the medical marijuana fund there in Arizona. And uh, I got to tell you, unless you go and, and uh, file a FOIA request, uh, which is the Freedom of Information Act, uh, so that you can get a look at where those monies go, um, you, you're not, you won't know. And I got to tell you, it, it, that money, at least in Arizona, uh, elected officials got paid. Elected officials, I mean, we're talking uh, judges, both sides of the aisle, mind you. Uh, mm -hmm. their, their benefits package, where did that come from? Came from medical marijuana taxes, right? So I, I got to tell you, um, I, I think those that are concerned about where those tax dollars are going and uh, how they're being spent, valid, valid concern. I've, I've seen what a single state does with it, uh, and it... it it's absolutely a frustrating thing uh, if you're a public service looking for that kind of support. So I would encourage you, if you're watching this, make a request to the state. Find out where those taxes are going. And if you don't like it, do something about it. If you want to know what California is doing with the money, so in their fiscal budget, $400 million goes towards child care and prevention services to thousands of children in poverty. And about a quarter of a billion goes to Department of Social Services. And $81 million of that goes to youth prevention 
and 21,000 low-income children benefit from child care service programs, but as many as 2.3 million can be eligible. Okay, yeah, we want to help the kids. We want to help the, the listen franchise, those that are that, that they need the help. But I think we're doing that. So what's the problem here? Don't blame the industry. Blame the government. That's how I'm at. Well, so again, again, it, it some of that allocation happens, but the departments get to allocate how they use it. That's yeah. the key right there, right? So they they don't the the beneficiaries don't always benefit. And that's I think, you know, a reason to to you know go dig deeper on that. So you know in Florida we've had uh, there been always the talk about how much THC is allowed to be in certain products. And you know there's other states doing the same damn thing. They want to <sighs> consider potency caps, whether of bud extracts or edibles. And that's just retarded. <laughs> It's retarded. I'm sorry. If, if 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 caps were a thing, why are they selling uh, Everclear on the shelves? Right? Like, I mean, come on. There, there's yeah. no true apples to to apples, and uh, and and because there's always that comparison between alcohol and 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 uh, and cannabis. But but the caps on 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 THC limits. It's just a silly thing, right? Um, I, I mean, it, it, did they cite any reasons for this, George? No, they're just, there's just, they talked about the fact there's just bills that are now pending. Illinois's got one, Minnesota's already, I mean, Mississippi has already started to install one. They've instated it now. And, you know, normals come out and talked about it. They said that, you know, if it was passed in Illinois, it would significantly limit access to stronger forms, the most central impacts falling on those who rely on it for medicinal properties. Listen, they didn't want to do that there. Colorado, they put a cap that was been lowered. They want to do this. I don't know what they're trying to get out of this and what, what good it is, but there's nothing that supports, you know, anything, any kind of research. First of all, we want to get research when it comes to showing the benefits, but then they want to make these rules without any research. So tell me about I that. I mean, you know, look, I, I think if you were to apples to orange it with, with alcohol, once again, uh, Dumb, dumb it down like what they're suggesting with with a yep. with an alcohol cap, right? Which makes it what like you know water, and which what do you got to do to get drunk? You got to buy more, which what makes more tax dollars. I mean, is that what the end goal is? I don't know. It just sounds silly. I don't think that you come uh, you you come to this subject uh, in the face of uh, public responsibility at all. Because uh, anybody who is a cannabis consumer on an ongoing basis, uh, for the most part, they understand their usage. And uh, you you don't find people running around that I know of. I've never seen it. I've never walked into a dispensary and seen someone said, excuse me, could you get me the product with the least amount of THC in it? Never, never, <laughs> ever, ever. It's always, right. can you show me what the strongest, the most potent a strain is that you have in, in in you know your shop today that's always the question never the other way around i, I now think there are states that want to do the potency caps but then new york wants to do a potency tax so yeah charge more for a higher higher amount of content potency <laughs> tax are you serious <laughs> yes <laughs> so it would be rather a potency cap imposing 0.5 cents or, or like 100 500 100 of a cent per sale of one milligram in THC. And then it would be like the same thing for edibles and concentrates. Like, yeah, 
They want to nickel and dime you if you want better potent cannabis. Right. Well, <laughs> I think that's funny. I mean, New York's a bit on the you know wonky side right now as it is. When I was there in the uh, the beginning of December, uh, I walked into a head shop and I bought weed in the head shop. Yeah, that Uh-oh. happened, right? Yes. That's not supposed to happen, but that happened. No, no. Uh, and, and it's just like they're selling it out of out of you know redone food trucks that are now weed trucks sitting on every corner in 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 you know Times Square. Uh, even, you know, they've replaced some of the food carts, <laughs> George, you know, where you go get the shawarma and all oh, that. The, ch- the chicken and rice. Yeah, chicken man. and rice, right? Right oh right God. next to the chicken and rice is a weed cart. <laughs> <laughs> that, the, That's funny. So New York is is getting their groove on, but now they're trying to make more by by taxing the potency. Wow. Leave it, yeah. leave it to New York. Oh, uh, a producer talked about the New Orleans also had a food truck selling pre-rolls on Canal Street when he was visiting most recently. How about that? Oh, wow. There you go. <laughs> Just in time for Mardi Gras. There you go. <laughs> uh, so there was another story where, you know, opinion piece, former Senator Cory Gardner, who was one of the writers with Elizabeth Warren on the States Act, and Representative Dave Joyce, a current representative in Congress, they did put out saying a, a story in USA Today that got picked up that cannabis reform needs to happen it's past time for federal cannabis reforms and it's neither tenable nor the will of the american electric so good for them they actually wanted to put something out there to try to get word to talk and they put a pretty comprehensive story out there which which finally you know what i mean like again i think we we are we are at the point of tipping the scale it, it, we just we just need one more little catalyst to to watch the the scale tip over, and I think we're close. I do. I mean, it, the bills are all there. At, at what point are they going to take everything else aside and say, you know what, we need a win, and you know, let's pull all the pandemic restrictions out and let's pass cannabis. And let's well get look. To the I, I think right? I think I think we you know we talked about this two or three weeks ago. Uh, I, I think with with the banking bill, you know, being being tucked into uh, I- into, you know, the bill I'm talking about, the one that uh, uh, that te- technology infrastructure bill. Yep, I can't I can't think think of the name of it had, had a funky name. Uh, that thing got pushed through the house and and right now they're right back where they were teetering to get through the senate now in my opinion that might be the one catalyst that we need to see full cannabis reform at the federal level is to get the money right up front right get the banking set once the banking is set then we can go and and tackle the rest of reform and and get our initial laws on the books of course there's going to be lawsuits and what have you state by state that you know they're going to have their own you know laws and what have you but I think, you know, like any new law, it gets on the books and then it starts to shake out over, you know, 12, 24, uh, you know, 36 months. Um, but it's got to start someplace. And I think, you know, my opinion, if they get banking fixed, then everything else will follow. But they better get things together. If the government wants to get a little chunk of that tax revenue, and not lose it to cryptocurrency or to blockchain and Bitcoin, which there are companies now aggressively getting into it because they're not waiting. 
They're not going to yeah. wait much longer to get into this. They're going to just say, you know what? We can work ourselves out. We can build supply chains. I just talked to a guest on Blunt Business today. That's coming up in April. Building a supply chain within the blockchain to go ahead and get people taken care of when it comes to data, when it comes to resources, when it comes to buildings. All of that. I like that. I like oh, that. Well, great. I mean, look, you, you know, in in Arizona, uh, Arizona, the the state itself, the state um, instituted a um, a crypto that they can use uh, that cannabis businesses can use uh, for transactions, which, you know, again, that's a little baffling. Um, you know, for me, because, you know, for the most part, you see, you see cannabis companies being wary of that for obvious reasons, you know, the, the accusal at the federal level of, of washing money. And so, um, this is, this is, it, it's a thing, uh, again, I think if they fix that banking, the catalyst that we need for federal reform right there on its heels. Yep. Yep. Yeah. A few other things. I'm I'm just going to glom over this real quick, but Rolling Stone put a great story out there, Mary Jane Gibson, about the California cannabis crisis. They talked to a lot of growers out there and their personal issues going on with that. I just want to point people out to that and check it out. Very comprehensive. By the way, just a quick hello to to Dave Wisniewski in the chat room. What's going on, Dave? (laughs) There's a lot of people talked about this. And the one thing I want to bring up in news to wrap things up, so medical marijuana is here in Florida. We want adult use. And there's a new poll that came out from North Florida that says that three and four Florida voters support legalizing cannabis. Yes. Right here in Florida. Yes. Let's get that on the ballot, baby. So but what's now, the problem, right? Oh, there's Why a, the are we on the ballot? petitions, right? That's been the one thing we've talked about for a long time. We knew about that back when we were doing our own conference, the USCC, that there's been, you know, certain there's two petitions that keep coming out. And they're both competing with each other on purpose. Which we all know divides the vote. And that becomes challenging. Um, Look, I think if Florida can can get its shit together, um, we obviously have the numbers to get it it passed. Um, This particular issue boils down to, you know, monopoly money, if you will. Yeah. Uh, You know, going against uh the will of the people and so that kind of sucks what up glass donkey yo true almost 420 well it is 420 wherever you are i guess he must be uh what in jamaica puerto rico (laughs) what up glass donkey what's going on happy 420 to you there's a recording from an old Frank Sinatra performer that says it's the cocktail hour. For me, it is right now. <laughs> it is the cocktail hour. It is kind of like that, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, but shout out the glass donkey out there. There you exactly. go. Exactly. So I got to go to our spotlight. And I thought this was really fun. All right. There's a study out there on psychedelics that it can alter a person's core metaphysical beliefs for as long as six months after use. How about that? The high you get from a psychedelic can stretch out almost half a year yes now okay so now now we're in our our, our core topic for the day this is our big one yes. uh okay so this particular article was was speaking uh i believe in reference to psilocybin right mm-hmm. dmt and lsd correct well actually 
uh, psilocybin, ayahuasca, and DMT. Oh, okay, not LSD, uh, ayahuasca. Yes, eight hundred and sixty-six participants. By the way, big study. That that want to be a part a, of that? That's a lot of people <laughs> taking a trip <laughs> uh, without ever leaving. You know the house, what have you? Uh, listen, so you know. Brasco here on the radio has uh Brasco, you, you've never done a psychedelic. You've never no. done a drug one a day in your no, life, no. right? Okay, so um I may have had uh a couple of psychedelic journeys in my time. Uh I can tell you, um uh you know, DMT, uh psilocybin mushrooms, mm -hmm. um that assertion of the difference in thought process behind the physicality of this world and what you would look at as uh, potential idealism or, <clears throat> or this world is a construct of your mind, right? And when you leave a psychedelic journey, um, you know, especially on psilocybin mushrooms, you know, we mentioned Dr. Sue Sicily earlier. Um, yeah. She is actually performing uh, an approved psilocybin study right now. And she made the statement um, initially at, at the beginnings of, of their, their study, she told us, she said uh, her initial findings show that psilocybin mushrooms actually dwarf the benefit of cannabis when it comes to the treatment of uh, treatment resistant PTSD, uh, anxiety, depression, traumas like that. Uh, and so if, if you go into a journey that you look at the study of 866 participants and they come out the other side and they have remnants of of idealism or or a completely new view on uh on the world around them their connectedness uh their feelings of unity uh the feelings of love and acceptance is something that for a new person trying psychedelics when in this test they tested them at the beginning they tested them uh, a couple of weeks in a couple of months in and then six months um, after their initial journey and somebody who had never tried psychedelics still had those very same feelings six months from their first dose. And I had, I, 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 I listened when it was, it was a couple of days ago. Um, Brandy and I, we were watching something with Joe Rogan and Joe Rogan um, was interviewing Michael Pollan and, mm -hmm. and Michael Pollan is one I'd, I'd like to, to get to come on, on with us, uh, Brasco. Um, because Michael Pollan um, has written some tremendous books uh, around psychedelia. And I, I can wholeheartedly tell you the way they described the benefit of psilocybin was, um, you know, the ruts that we get into day, day in, day out in our life are kind of like um, when you're sledding down a hill uh, of, of fresh snow 
And when you get down to the bottom of the hill and you go back up, uh, you get on that sled and you go right back down, atypically where you went down the first time because you kind of cut a groove in there, right? Well, if you continue mm -hmm. to cut that groove, right, that's what you have. And that that's kind of like this, this habit, the, the, the things in our mind that are consistent about our behavior, about our perceptions. Uh, and so a psychedelic is basically laying a fresh blanket of snow that allows you to uh, now have a brand new experience going down that hill does that make sense but it, yeah Sorry. yeah well it's just that uh, what i'm amazed is the, is the lingering that it takes and and what it actually can it's as if you get this full kind of just this continuous almost like a, a trance-like feel and that it actually helps you to change and look at you know give you uh, yourself a whole breakthrough another overview of what life is and how things work out like i just in six months, I mean, that's a long time to just let this continued state of lucidness, this, this whole moment of Zen, it just, you know, like it just kind of zones you out. And then, you no, 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 it's oh, not a zone oh, okay. you out. Definitely not a zone you out. It is a make you happy, right? No, but it puts it, you in a zone. I'm not saying in a bad thing. I'm just yeah, saying it put, puts you so in like a, a wavelength. It puts you in a positive mental out, uh, outlook because yeah. the things that would normally, normally, those grooves again, uh, weigh you down and you get stuck in your rut. Listen, it's easy to get, get into a rut, but it's hard to get out. Right. And so getting out of that rut is, is what that psychedelic experience was for 866 people. Um, and the new folks that had experienced that had so much joy, had so much happiness, had such a You said such a positive, but I think what it comes down to is when I look at what they're doing with us here and metaphysical beliefs just is fascinating where you could change scientifically your thought, your thoughts on life, society, politics and philosophy. But it could give you a full change of that. I think that's just fascinating. And when they put it together, it, it just. You don't even need a vacation or a retreat. Like it's for anybody who's like high stress in a high, you know, entrepreneurial environment. There's like a CEO of a company. Imagine if they had this kind of a treatment and just bring you back to like you're there. Like it's just you feel it. You know, the stress is gone. Whatever kind of things that come across stress related, you're taking it away. It's just completely removed. Yeah, it's a horse of a different color. Um, okay. Look, I think we've got a couple of minutes left here. Um, yeah. there was something that, that I thought about maybe doing, uh, let me, let me ping our producer. We got a minute for this. I'm just, just curious. We we've got a little something that, that we had sitting in the back that I thought was kind of fun that, uh, we could, uh, potentially do, uh, no, nah, not today. All right. Running out of time. So I think we'll do this. Uh, we'll do this next time. We've, and my connection seems to be a little crappy, so I'll, I'll work on that for next time. Well, guys. When we're talking about psychedelics. You look like you were going like a Max Headroom psychedelic <laughs> kind of experience. Like going, I was already right tripping out. And it's kind of fun. <laughs> it was going more and more as we go along. Can I just go ahead and make one mention about a couple of programs that I did Please. last week? Absolutely. Uh, grassroots marketing. 
we got into the, you know, nobody ever talked about the luxury side of things, but we've talked to a couple of people on this and there were a couple of good ones that I thought, you know, that, that really stood out for me. Uh, one is called para. So like paraphernalia and it's female out founded BIPOC owned uh, e-commerce shop. They do premium affordable paraphernalia. It's in New York city. Mm. The, the lady, Mariam Saeed, she's got a lot of background when it comes to designer work from the likes of Bloomingdale's and Saks and all this kind of thing. Like it's just amazing. Nice. And the products, like if Randy looks, she's going to be like, I need this in my pocketbook, right? Now. <laughs> and then there's another company, Sackville and Company. They do contemporary cannabis accessories, and they're both Brooklyn based. And again, like you want to look at grinders, you want to look at pens, you want to look at, you know, all these different things they got on there. It Like it just looks like something you look at on like, you know, Worth Avenue or something like that, or Bow Harbor or whatever it is, you know, like, really nice and chic. It looks like I'm not like, understanding like, where glass donkeys here. going in all this, but <laughs> right, it looks like something I'm like Estee Lauder, like something even better than Sephora. It's just got a nice chic look. It's just like yeah. it looks good. Yeah, bougie yeah. even call it bougie. Yeah. I like yeah. it. I like it. I like it. So grassroots market, check it out. As that's what you wanted to point out right there. Yeah, perfect. All right. All right. Well, folks, I think that's going to bring it to a bottom uh, of this show. We're so happy that you joined us again. Uh, if you enjoy Cannabis Radio Live, make sure you go uh, go over to the website. Check it out. CannabisRadio.com. We've got all kinds of shows. We've been producing episodes for the last, what, six, seven years. Uh, we've got literally thousands of episodes uh, of whatever it is that would crank your engine about cannabis so make sure you go check it out of course make sure you like and follow us and share this out with your friends uh and put it on your calendar come back join us uh every tuesday right here at three o'clock eastern uh, and again if you're watching on youtube make sure you smash that bell notification thingy uh in the corner and that way you'll get notified every time we go live right here so once again thanks for joining us on behalf of myself and brasco on the radio yeah. see you next week